You're listening to Good to Grow, a podcast for budding green thumbs. We'll dig into the fun, frustration, and science of growing your own food and flowers in Alberta. For even more tips, join our Facebook community, AMA Good to Grow. Hi, I'm Sandra Speronis, and on this episode, we're thinking small. Many of us live in apartments or condos that have tiny outdoor spaces, but that shouldn't stop you from growing food or flowers on your balconies and patios. In fact, you may have several advantages over some in-the-ground gardeners. Cheryl Normandu is a small space expert and master gardener from Calgary. She's also the co-author of several books, including The Prairie Gardener's Guide to Small Spaces. Welcome to Good to Grow, Cheryl. Hello, thank you for having me. So how did you get into small space gardening? It's kind of a long process. When I graduated from university, I didn't have any space to grow. We were living in an apartment, my husband and I, and there was no balcony, no deck, no nothing. (laughs) So we got into a land share sort of arrangement, and then we did community gardening, which I still do today. And then when we bought our place here in South Calgary, I have a balcony finally, so I'm able to do a lot of gardening on my, my little tiny balcony. What do you like about gardening? I love everything about it. It's the whole, you know, looking after plants and nurturing something that's alive. I love actually growing edible food plants. So there's that whole reward of having uh, having fresh tomatoes, having beans and peas and that kind of thing. Yeah, that that's just amazing. So And it gets me out gardening and growing and, and gets me out active in the community. So, yeah. A win-win. Yep, for sure. What's your current small space garden setup like? So I have the balcony, as I mentioned, and it's very, very small. But this year, they've done some construction on it, so I wasn't able to put out as many pots as I would like. So that's all container gardening on there. And then I've got two plots in a community garden that's about a 10-minute walk from here. So yeah, that is lovely. That's kind of where all my tomatoes ended up this year because I didn't have space on the balcony. So they all ended up in the community garden. So it was really, really nice to be able to rent the two spots this year. So yeah, out there I've got all kinds of different plants. I've got some different types of herbs. I've got parsley and cilantro and a few different things like that. I've got, like I said, my tomatoes. I've got potatoes. There's broccoli, a bunch of different things in there. So yeah, it's it's a really, really great thing to be able to have that space. So I bet. So what do you usually grow on your balcony garden? Normally I do leafy greens, so lettuce and sometimes spinach. I love spinach early in the season. It normally gets too hot for it up here in the summer, so I don't usually grow it right right in the height of summer, but I do it in the in the spring. And this year I've got a potato grow bag going on, so the potato's kind of eating the balcony at the moment. <laughs> the plant is sprawled out all over the place. So, so yeah, hopefully I'll be able to harvest some, some potatoes out of that in the next few weeks. I think they're blooming now, so we'll see what happens. And then tomatoes. I usually do tomatoes on the balcony. My balcony does face north, so I don't get as much light as I probably should, but tomatoes seem to do all right here. So yeah, I usually do determinate varieties. A couple years ago, I tried the indeterminates. They were about six and a half feet tall. It was ridiculous. (laughs) So yeah, I usually do the shorter, shorter types. And cherry tomatoes work really, really well on the balcony. So do stuff like that. So Right. Um, What factors do you need to consider if you're going to start a balcony garden? There's a few things you have to think about. You've got to think first and foremost, if you you live in a condo, for example, or or even if you rent, You've got to think about whether or not your your property management company allows you to put plants on the balcony. Quite a few of them don't. So mine is like I'm lucky I can put whatever I want out on the balcony and they don't they don't you know fuss about it as long as it's not too tall. You've got to worry about sometimes height restrictions. So if you're doing any vertical gardening on your balcony, putting up a trellis or something like that, 
there may be a restriction you can't top it out at six feet or something like that. So yeah, just watch for that. Watch your bylaws first and foremost. And then if you're allowed, you're going to be doing probably just about exclusively container gardening. You can get some really nice containers and you can get some of those like veg trucks and stuff like that where they're raised planters. Really, really nice stuff is available now. So you can you can set up those kinds of things. Think about the weight on your balcony, soil, water, plants, the weight of your containers. It can be quite a lot. So so don't don't put too too much out there. Think about your sunlight. Like I said, I face north, so I don't have quite the sun that I would have if, if you know, I face south or something like that. I also don't have the heat, though, so it's a nice trade-off. I get a little bit of shade, and my plants don't bake. <laughs> right. So wind is another factor. If you're on a high, in a high-rise, I'm only on the third floor, but if you're in a high-rise, wind can be a huge problem. So you have to think about that. You've got to offer your plant some sort of shelter. So whether that means you're putting up a trellis and growing something to protect other plants, or if you're maybe using furniture or something like that to, to block some of the wind, that goes for heat too. Like if you've got a lot of sunlight, you might need something to block some of that sun to get the plants to grow. It just depends on your situation. I have to haul my water from the kitchen. Luckily, it's not that far, but if you have a big place, you might have to think about, I know some gardeners actually install drip irrigation on their balconies. That's quite elaborate, but it can work in some cases and it saves you the trouble of hauling water. So just come up with a system for that. Yeah, and like I said, container gardening, so you're going to need containers that don't dry out really, really easily, uh, like stuff like clay, terracotta, that dries out really, really rapidly. I tend to use a lot of plastic. I just reuse it every year, so I don't feel really that awful about the environmental footprint. I'm not throwing them away every year. So, And they're big pots. Grow in as large a container as you can possibly grow in because that, that will keep the plants from drying out so fast. Right. Yeah, a few tips there. Grow bags are awesome on the balcony. Like I said, that's what I've got my potatoes in, and they're really nice. They water, like you can put water in them, they retain the moisture. They're they're fantastic. So, and there's some really nice looking ones. They're not all ugly anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) They used to be hideous. You never wanted to buy grow bags way back when because they were really ugly, but now there's some nicer looking ones, so... (laughs) <laughs> and what vegetables and flowers usually do best in, in containers or in a small space garden? In a small space, like on a balcony, I like to recommend things like leafy greens, definitely lettuce and all of your herbs, and except for your perennial ones. You're looking at annual herbs, but I'm going, yeah, you can do leafy greens spinach, arugula, any of your Asian greens like Mizuna, those are awesome on the balcony. Like I said, I've got tomatoes, peppers would be great if you've got a sunny spot. Anything like that would be really good. There are actually some bush type styles, zucchini plants and squash plants. So they're small, they're meant for containers. So you could, if you've got the space, you could try those and they need quite a bit of sun. But I mean, definitely if you've got room, you can get types that don't sprawl out all over. So, yeah, there's lots of options. You can pretty much do anything that you can grow in, <laughs> in a raised bed or in ground for the most part. You can do even carrots and beets. Hmm. And carrots that are small in size. There's there's like one there's one variety called Paris Market, for example, which is a little round carrot. Actually, it looks it looks a little bit like an orange beet with a carrot top. And it's yeah, it does well because it doesn't need really deep pots. So try carrots that are not you know really really long and that need a lot of depth in the soil. So you can do that. Even beets and Swiss chard stuff like that you can definitely do in containers. You just you just need big enough. Containers. So yeah, right. so if you've got the room, for sure, try 
it out. See, it doesn't hurt to experiment. <laughs> Good to know, yeah. Is it um, relatively inexpensive to get into small space gardening? Yeah, you can do it for not very much money, actually. So you can start off with containers that are not very pricey. So you can, when the garden centers are blowing out some of their stock at the end of the season, you can you can pick up some really, really good deals. Sometimes in the spring, too, they'll bring in new pots and there'll be some really fancy ones on for a good deal because they're promoting all their new products. You can also get a lot of different containers on marketplaces, that kind of thing. A lot of people just give them away when they clean out their sheds or their garages or something like that. So you can, you can get those for free. You can upcycle a bunch of different containers. So you can use wooden crates, for example, or you can use, like, like I said earlier, the grow bags I was using are made out of shopping bags, canvas shopping bags. And we get tons of those in a year just when you're out casually shopping. I've got a bundle of them. <laughs> so I just cut the handles off of one and I just use it. I filled it with soil and that's my potato bag for this year. So it serves really, really nicely as a container. It drains lovely. It really, really useful. So that didn't cost me anything. And for in, you can you can upcycle other things too containers, pails, that kind of thing, they're excellent for use as containers. A lot of people grow their tomatoes in five-gallon pails, for example. So, And soil, you can buy a potting mix for, for quite reasonably priced, depending on where you're going. And you can get that already pre-made, or you can make your own. You can use loam or topsoil mixed with peat moss or coir and compost. And you're good to go for fertilizers compost, vermicompost. Some people are already creating all of those things in their own homes, so you can use that. It doesn't cost anything. And other than that, you're looking at your seeds when you're buying them. Seeds don't usually cost a lot unless you're getting all kinds of different varieties. So they are all kinds of expensive, I'm sorry, talking rare kind of unusual varieties. So yeah, you can you can direct sow a lot of things into directly into your pots on a balcony. Things like lettuces and that kind of thing grow quickly, so they're really, really good candidates for that. What should you do about pollinators, especially if you live on the 15th floor? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Bugs don't typically fly up that high, so, so you're not going to see a lot of bees. And I mean, even on my third floor balcony, I don't see a lot of bees. So you can do things with your squash plants, for example. They have both male and female flowers on them, and you can hand pollinate them. So you can use cotton swab and you can just transfer the pollen from the male flower to the female flower. It's pretty easy and you're going to get fruit that way. So it works really, really well. And then like with tomatoes, for example, they're self-pollinating, but they like a little little help from bees. They like that little buzz that they get to, to get the pollen moving. So you can just do that. Just tap the the blossom, the stem where the blossoms are. Just tap it really, really lightly with your fingertips. You can use a lot of gardeners use an electric toothbrush, but I like using that for my teeth. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't use that for my plants. But yeah, you can definitely do that. And then you're going to get, get a better, better chance at fruits. Yeah, there are, there are definitely options you can do. You can also plant some flowers that are going to attract pollinators. There's some really, really good options. You can try marigolds, calendula, nasturtium. And nasturtium are a good one because you can eat them. The flowers are edible and actually the seed pods are as well. So yeah, you're good to go with those. Those are really fun plants that will entice pollinators to your garden. Nice. And what advice do you have for those who are salivating to grow beyond their small spaces? <laughs> you can try different options. There's, uh, Like I said earlier, I'm a big fan of community gardens, so you can... They're fun. They're just, they're very satisfying. So you're, you're getting out and meeting new people and you're getting out and learning, learning from other people. And a lot of them have uh, opportunities 
to donate to different charities and participate in work projects and work groups. And you're volunteering your time and volunteering all of your knowledge and learning from other people. So it, they're fantastic. Plus, you have the chance to grow your own food and, and, yeah, just participate in a community. And you're beautifying the community as well with that. I love that. that Absolutely. Too. You're, you're, making the, you're making the community a better place to live for everyone. It's not just the garden. It's kind of a wider wider scope with that. You can also do land shares. I know one of the first things that we did when, when we first started gardening was we land shared with a co-worker and she was really, really kind to provide her backyard. She was way too busy to, to do to deal with it herself, plus she wasn't a gardener. So we we worked in her yard and we created beds and we planted a bunch of different things and yeah, and then she helped share in the produce and she ended up working in the garden too. So it was really, really great. So things like that, land shares are really good for people who have space but don't garden and then the, the gardener can go in and work in the garden. So there's also public gardens. A lot of them are looking for volunteers. So while you're not bringing home any food for yourself or, or probably not, not cut flowers or anything like that, but you enjoy the opportunity to volunteer with an organization and, and give back to the community. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for joining us on Good to Grow. Thank you very much for having me. Cheryl Normandu is a master gardener and the co-author of The Prairie Gardener's Guide to Small Spaces, available at bookstores across Alberta. She's also a member of AMA's Good to Grow community on Facebook and runs her own gardening website called floweryprose.com. Growing your own food or flowers? Drop us a line at goodtogrow at ama.ab.ca. We might feature you in a segment we call The Plot Thickens. For this segment, we want to hear about your garden. We want to know what you're growing, what gardening means to you, or any questions you might have about growing food and flowers in Alberta. In this installment of The Plot Thickens, Green Thumb Christine Allen takes us on a little tour of her garden. Hi everybody, welcome to my garden. Um, I thought I'd just take you on a quick walk through. This is my tomato garden, full heat, full sun, pretty much all day long. The tomatoes love it here. Um, I started most of these by seed this year. The big ones in the in the barrels, um, I did buy those ones. But I always plant my tomatoes with um, basil and marigolds. Okay, and then we have this amazing little pond here that uh, we overwintered the uh, King Tut grass here, and it's doing really well. And a little fountain going in there, and that's where I keep my goldfish in this pond. We went over went to them in the house and they enjoy the summers out here. This is here this is my shade garden. Um, added a lot of hostas and the ferns. I'm just letting them grow where they want. Um, I have a white bleeding heart and one of my favorite Brunera, Jack Frost Brunera is in there. This is a great spot to sit in the garden because we have another pond right in front of it. And um, here's my vegetable garden. I've got this giant rhubarb. Strawberries are doing really well. Sweet peas are doing really well. Lettuce is doing very well. Beans, peas, the corn is growing. Anyways, that is, that is my garden, guys. I love it. Thanks. Thanks, Christine. Share your gardening adventures or questions with us, and you might be featured in an upcoming installment of The Plot Thickens. Send an email or voice recording to goodtogrow at ama.ab.ca. Thanks for listening to AMA's Good to Grow podcast. I'm Sandra Speronis. Happy gardening!
Good to Grow is produced by the Alberta Motor Association. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For even more gardening tips and tales, join our Facebook community, AMA Good to Grow.